Hey, we're back. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate all the feedback that we got from our listeners far and near. It's been a busy summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have, I think, only three weeks until school starts. I can't believe it's already almost over. I feel like it just started. It just began. I know, but it's so busy. Summers are so busy, full of family events, graduations, birthday parties. All of us had a party recently. Oh, yeah. In the past two weeks, I feel like I've seen you guys so many times. Yeah, it's been really fun. Yeah. How many birthday parties has it been? Can't even count. It's we been had, a lot. <laughs> we had one in the beginning of the month for my two-year-old, and now recently we just had one for Miriam's twin girls. Huge birthday party full of fun. Yeah, it was a Candyland-themed party. Mm-hmm. We did a scavenger hunt where they could find the candy, but that flopped because all the kids dove headfirst in the candy before the scavenger hunt even started. It was oh, ever. Was really I mean, sad. you had it in the bounce house. You had it in like under the park benches. Like it was everywhere. The kids candy. were loving the it. Candy yeah. was everywhere in the treehouse. Yes, and there was twenty pounds of candy on the cake, which was beautiful. Oh yeah, I couldn't believe how many adults ate that cake. It was loaded up with literally twenty pounds of candy. I know, but the kids like. Did you see their eyes? They're all staring at it like this can't wow. be true. I love it. How long did it take you to make that, Miriam? It was so cool looking. It was so cute. We got the idea from YouTube. It took like an hour to put together. It was fine. Awesome. Yeah, it was the girl's idea, and I just brought it to life. It's really fun. Um, Vika, you also had a birthday party. Right, yeah. We had um, a birthday party for my two-year-old. Big barbecue in our backyard. We had tons of people. It was awesome. Yeah, I feel like that was your first really big event at your new house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you had your neighbors there. You had some extended family. You even had some moms that you met at the library. Yeah. Everybody was there celebrating the little girl who didn't know it was her birthday. It was so funny. She had no idea what that day was about. But then for the remainder of the week, she's like, me birthday. It's me birthday. I'm like, it's so cute. (laughs) It's so cute. Yeah, it was cool to chat with people there. You know what Rosaria says? Gospel comes with a birthday cupcake. Yeah. (laughs) She's not wrong. And then, Ellen, you had a party last night, too. Yes. Um, We recently got a meat smoker, and we just love having people over to um, just partake in this delicious meat that we're learning to make. really good. And so So yesterday, Miriam, it was your birthday, and we're like, we'll have a barbecue to celebrate. (laughs) And it was just so fun to, like, have our backyard full of friends and just celebrating together um, your birthday and end of summer kind of all at the same time. It was such, we had a blast. Yeah, it was really fun. You know, it's funny. When we started singing happy birthday to you, I think my two-year-old thought it was her birthday again because her face started to get like all shy. And she looked at me like, oh, is everyone singing again (laughs) to me? But no. Happy birthday. (laughs) No, not again. But yeah, summer's been so awesome. And just being together with friends and community is really just awesome. Oh, for sure. Hey, I'm Miriam. I'm Vika. And I'm Ellen. Welcome to Irresistible Grace. We are three friends who love helping each other grow in sanctification. We are blessed that God has given us the ability to do life together. This podcast exists to gather women together and have conversations about faithfully living the Christian life, fulfilling our biblical mandates and seeking Christ as our treasure. For us, God's grace is irresistible. We want to live in obedience to His grace and proclaim it to all who will listen. So thanks for coming alongside as we share in God's grace that is indeed irresistible. Today's episode is 
Is it news or is it gossip? Discernment within the gift of gab. So I think that the three of us are wired very similarly. It's not just being women, but it's also in our personality. We're really good at relationships. We love to have people in our life. We love to socialize, to invest in people. We have the capacity to know and connect with tons of people. So like, it's not a big deal for any of us to host a party or a gathering for 20 to 30 people at the drop of a hat or have a birthday party with like 30 of our best friends in the world. Um, with this capacity, which can be really good for God's kingdom and building up of church community, the flip side of this relationship capacity is the propensity to fall into gossip. It's so easy to partake in conversation that you have nothing to do with. So for the sake of today's conversation, we're going to move forward with this definition of gossip as being um, participating in a conversation that has nothing to do with you. Yeah, so in, in that definition, we could be the one who is initiating the conversation or we could simply be the listener in the conversation, but not stopping what's being said by the other person. Right. So we would say that it would probably lead out of a bad heart. So participating or initiating in conversation about someone out of a bad heart. Right. So you can even be like an innocent bystander of somebody's slander. You are just as much at fault there. Yeah. So really not because innocent at all. Right. You're just a bystander, <laughs> but guilty. <laughs> right. So how do you see yourself falling into this? So personally, I think that I so quickly can make prideful assumptions about people. Like when I was thinking about how gossip affects my own life, and how I participate in it, and what is my propensity there. It's that I think that I understand the full story, and I can so easily diagnose what's going on in a situation when the reality is I don't know the full story. So I shouldn't, I have no right to talk about it. Um, even, whether I'm saying it out loud or just thinking it in my head, I don't know the full story. So I should not even participate in trying to diagnose what's going on. So we see this a lot in like making assumptions about why somebody's marriage is struggling or making assumptions about like why I feel like somebody's being a bad friend to me. And um, the reality is there's always something else going on that I don't necessarily know about. So that's my own propensity for that. I think for me... um Gossip becomes such a temptation in something that I think the Lord has gifted me as a blessing, and that is that I just very naturally am very empathetic towards others. And so if I hear that my friend or even an acquaintance is going through something difficult or you know having a hard time with something, like my heart is genuinely broken for that person, and I have a hard time not being distracted by that. You know, I just I feel that weight with them, and I think that that is something that the Lord has blessed me with, but then sin creeps into that blessing. And if someone were to share with me like, oh, Vika's having a bad week, you know, we need to be praying for her. Even if that person is coming to me with like genuine concern for our friend and they mean nothing gossipy about it, I'm so quick to be like, oh, well, what's going on? Like I need all the details of why is Vika having a bad week or what decisions has she made that's led to negative things happening to her this week or um, just some frustrations that she's having or whatever it may be. 
Where in reality, I don't need that information to care well for my friend. My, the posture of my heart just needs to be, I'm heartbroken for you, for my sister, for what you're going through. I'm here to bear that burden with you. I'm here to pray for you and love you in that way, but I don't need to know all the details of it. So I think that it's so easy to see how something that is a good thing is so quickly tainted by my sin nature. Right. You're wanting to be in the know. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't need to be in the know to love others well. Um, I think if I take a step back and I just think about just loving my neighbor as myself, praying for them and bearing that burden with them is at its core loving them, but needing the details of what's going on in their life is actually harmful. And it's just promoting my own desire to be in that no. Right. How about you, Victoria? I would probably say like my bad heart, like what the intention of my heart is probably like self-promotion. I find myself falling into gossip from a heart of pride. I want to be considered better. And I may not know deep down inside that it's actually pride, but I'm like tearing that person down to bring myself up. I find myself wanting to be superior. So unlike that person, I don't make those mistakes or I didn't make those choices. That's why they're in that predicament and I'm not. So as I'm talking about it, it's just this like self-promoting heart. And pride is just so unloving because it only thinks about itself. And in the Bible, we're called to humility. Literally, it says, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. But in pride, I'm counting myself better than them. Yeah, and how okay. sad that when we hear about something bad happening to someone else, like our first reaction is not sadness for them, but it's like, oh, well, I didn't make that mistake or I'm not dealing with that because I made better choices. Like that's such a broken Right, or just the outlook. idea of like, well, that's what happens when blah, blah, blah. Just so unloving. Like think about it. Your Definitely. heart is just so prideful in that moment and superior to that person instead of stepping into their mess and wanting to like help them out we're immediately like promoting ourselves let's in our own community let our conversations be full of grace and seasoned with salt so if this is unchecked what do you think will happen in our own relationships individually and then corporately on a church level I think sometimes we don't think that um, we gossip or we would say it's somebody else's sin or another community does it more than the one that we're in. But I think left unchecked, gossip could really flesh out in different ways. We could see its effects individually in friendships and we could also see it in a corporate level in our churches. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how we would see it um, affect us in individual relationships. Well, I want to talk about this idea of safety in community. It's like, if I hear you sharing with me somebody else's information that was not yours to share, it's going to make me scared to be vulnerable and open with you because then I'm going to assume that my information is not safe with you. So if I'm actually dealing with something that's really hard and I need a friend to walk through that with me, you're not going to be that friend slash I'm not going to feel like I have a friend who can hear me out and speak counsel into my situation. Day to day, we are building these habits of what to do with people's information that can create these long-term 
negative effects in our community. So if you and I are together having this great conversation about somebody else's stuff, we might breed this false sense of intimacy between us. Like we've just had this great conversation. You bonded. We're so connected and in, in agreement about casting judgment on somebody else. And we leave pretending like we're so close, but really there's now been this wedge that divides us. Like now we're, le- we're both leaving this conversation, not able to trust the other person because you just like- We just did something to someone. We just did to somebody what I would never want somebody to do to me. If I'm going through a hard time, then I feel like there's nobody that I can actually trust. Or you specifically just don't trust her with your difficulties. Right. Yeah, I think we could take this even a step further where you're right, if we're indulging in this sin together and creating this false sense of connection, where really we're pushing one another apart because I can't trust you with my information and you can't trust me with your information. I think we also would hesitate to share joyful news with one another. So like if I have something that's private information, but it's something that I'm rejoicing in. So um, maybe a pregnancy that we haven't announced yet, or I'm getting a promotion at work, but work hasn't announced it yet. So it's not public knowledge, but I want to share this information with you. I'm excited to rejoice with my friend because I can't trust you, I'm not going to share that because you might go tell someone else about it. And so it's creating this relationship between you and I where even the joys in life, I cannot celebrate with you because we've indulged in sin together to slander someone else. So if this flashes out this way one-on-one in an individual way, think about if this is just multiplied through a church. It's like, I can't trust you and I can't trust her and I can't trust them and they can't trust them. And like all of a sudden there is no unity in the church. we've bred this habit of talking about people. Right. It's this bad environment or culture where um, we don't trust each other and we don't, we can't bring each other any of the most difficult things that we're going through or any of the good things. And corporately now this is a church divided instead of unified in relationship. So then- when there comes a time in our church body, in our church life, where there's actually a bigger issue going on, our unity is going to be at stake. Right. And the habits that we've formed as a culture are now going to exemplify in this particular problem as well. I think about it in such a like simple way of like habit building. You know, well, like we put our kids in car seats and every time they get in the car, they put on, they get in the car seat and we put the seatbelt on. Well, recently my two little girls were with their aunt uh, at a condo that had like a pool complex and they would just had to drive a couple of yards, maybe like 30 yards down to the pool complex, but they had to drive. It was kind of hard for the kids to walk. So like, just get in the car. You don't have to put your seatbelts on. And the girls are just like losing it. They're like, no way. We have to put the seatbelt on because that's the habit. And so think about like if we're a culture that gossips and doesn't build up, this big thing happens in a church. And instead of being able to love one another and work through it. And protect each other. Right. We're, we're just, we're going to fall back on the habit. Mm. And we're going to fall back into like making a bigger deal out of it instead of just learning to walk through it in love. How we practice talking day to day about each other and about church life, it's breeding this habit so that 
when rubber hits the road and something really big is going on, people just automatically can fall back into this. We don't run our mouths. We don't say things we shouldn't be saying. We don't make assumptions. We don't make assumptions. We aren't trying to promote ourselves. I think that there's this like protective watchfulness that we can cast over each other or like this protective safety net that we can put over you of like whatever you're going through. I'm never going to cast you in a bad light and I'm never going to share information that's not mine to share. Mm-hmm. And so that when the church is going through an exceptionally difficult period, we can transition through that with so much love and unity and come out stronger on the other side instead of running our mouths amok and creating destruction where there should have been no destruction to begin with. Yeah, something that we could have worked through, we end up like struggling through because we don't have these habits of, okay, no, we don't talk like that. Or no, we don't need to assume that. Or no, we don't need to know all the juicy details. We're just going to love and pray over these people and step into their life to see if we can get through it. My kids have a term for this that they started using at school just recently. They call it spreading. It's like when information goes from person to person. They're really scared of it at the lunch table. They're like, Mom, I don't want this to spread. (laughs) That's so funny because like that is what gossip is, just like spreading information. I love that the kids like, came up with that term on their own. That's yeah, so precious. It's something like, I don't want it to spread that I ate two cookies in that one. <laughs> so we've worked through this idea of what is gossip. Um, how do we fall, do we into, fall it? into it? What can it do in our relationships, short-term and long-term, at an individual level, on a corporate level? So how do we fight this? How are we fighting it? I think... Gossip could come to you in two different ways, right? It could be initiated towards you or you could be the initiator. Um, When I was thinking about this, like in order for gossip to travel, it has to happen like with between two people. Like somebody can stop it in the sense of like if it's initiated towards you. And Proverbs 26.20 just really stuck out to me. It says, for lack of wood, the fire goes out and where there is no whisper, quarreling ceases. So you can stop this in your relationships. But as you think about it, you can't really just say, you know, somebody comes up to you, Miriam comes up to me, is like, hey, did you hear blah, blah, blah. And I just immediately, I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to gossip and you need to repent. Like <laughs> now my relationship with you is officially over as well. That's uh, so awkward. It's just abrupt. It like yeah. it can't be like, you know, how about we go discuss this in front of the elder? Like, that's like now you've put this person in shame. And yes, there there could be like an intent of sin in your heart that you might need to repent of, but I don't want to leave you in that shame because as your fellow friend, I would have to actually show you the better thing. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, if you bring something to me, how do I stop it without um, leaving you in the dust? With without actually casting a better vision of what you can do. Right, like emotionally slapping someone in the face. (laughs) Right. So like, okay, let's say you bring something to me like, oh, you know what? Have you heard their marriage is struggling? Well, the way that I could react is saying, man, that makes my heart feel so badly. Like my heart hurts for them. I don't even want to know any more details because I want to make no assumptions about their marriage. Let's just commit to pray for them. You know, and like now I've invited you 
into what God actually intends for you in relationship to them instead of me engaging you. And sometimes like some people don't know how to stop the conversation and they just like sit and listen. And now you've actually continued the gossip instead of killing it. But you don't just kill it. You can invite them into a better space. Yeah. And you're keeping the trust between the two of you intact, like we mentioned. Like you're not driving that wedge of like, oh, well, Vika would gossip about that person. Like certainly she'll gossip about me. But like you're protecting that relationship between the two of you by not partaking in what's going on. Right. I think it's really easy to create a breeding ground for gossip just in your own reaction of, uh-uh, no way. Are you serious? Did that really happen? I can't believe that happened. Which sometimes feels like the way to shut it down. Like, I'm not actually saying anything bad about them, but I'm also not telling you to stop saying what you're saying. And so, yeah, it just creates this culture of like, oh, you could keep going. It's fine. I remember this one time I had this really hilarious, juicy story to tell about somebody. (laughs) And I felt like they would really appreciate it. And the person that you're slandering or the person that you're telling? (laughs) The person I'm telling my story to. I was like, oh, they're going to love this story. It's so juicy. And they say it. And you know what they said to me? They said, oh, I really love that person. And that just shut that down, that Mm -hmm. conversation down to like, okay, I can't go forward in this type of conversation. And then I also learned that that's a way that, that's a very humble way that you can steer the conversation of like, hey, I really love them. Or, okay, let me just go back for a second and say that in community and in relationships, stuff does come up. Mm -hmm. Like we're not robots that have no emotional reaction to anything going on whatsoever. And so if we walk around, none of us walk around all day being like, oh yeah, I'm fine. Everything's perfect. Everything is fine. Like that, that doesn't breathe, breed any kind of authenticity. But in the venting thing, if I'm bringing up an actual scenario of something that's going on, maybe something that's weighing on my heart or something, a tough, a tough situation that I've encountered with somebody you can come at me and challenge me. You can check it like, hey, did you think that maybe they didn't mean it that way? Or maybe there's something else going on. Or um, right, I hope that in, you're not being too sensitive here. Right. Because in friendship, like there are going to be venting sessions and people are going to hurt one another in a, in a church environment or in any kind of environment because we're sinners. And just reminding each other that like, you know, if someone hurt you there with their words or their whatever, I could say to you, like, Miriam, we're going to sin against one another. That's true. But also what is true is we can cover that and we can forgive them, you know? Right. I remember, Ellen, you talking once about just acknowledging the fact that even though they're the ones that hurt you, tomorrow it could be me hurting them. The tables can easily be flipped. Definitely. I think it's just remembering that, you know, yeah, I'm being sinned against today, but I also am a sinner. And so, yeah, certainly I'm going to be hurting someone else, maybe even in the next hour. Like it might not even wait all the way till tomorrow. And so I hope that the person I'm sinning against will have grace towards me. And so I need to practice showing that grace to whoever is hurting me in the moment as well. And I think like one of the best things we can do in those relationships is to just remind each other like where true friendship and satisfaction is found. It's not going to be in one another. It's going to be in Christ. 
and just, you know, if we're disappointed or left dissatisfied in any kind of relationship, whether it's friendship or um, even marital or even parental, like you can say like, I know this hurts and this feels, you know, you feel unsatisfied. They're not giving to you everything you want or need, but where that truly is going to be found is in Christ alone. And just pointing our friends and each other back to the gospel and letting that fuel us and how we come back to these relationships and how we address them. Yeah. So we talked about um, just having good habits in place of, you know, if someone is coming to you and like, oh, I need to tell you this information um, and your habit is just to engage in a, a posture of grace in that situation and just having a culture of fighting against that temptation to indulge in what your friend is bringing to you. I think that that can easily translate into if you're the one who has the information and you're so tempted to like, I got to tell someone what I know about, you know, whether it be good or bad information. I think that if we just stop and quickly just do a heart check of like, why do I feel this urge to share what I know? Is it actually benefiting the person who I'm talking about? Is it benefiting me in any way? Um, Is it actually benefiting the person I'm sharing with? I think if we stop and really think that through, it'll quickly discourage us from indulging in bringing up that information. Um, So it's important to just have these habits in place so that it's just our natural reaction to not allow our friend to gossip to us about other people, but also not initiating these conversations because there is truly no benefit to them. I think of Jesus's words in Luke chapter 12. I think it's verse three. He says, what's said in secret is going to be blasted on the rooftops. So what's been left in the dark will be brought to light. So the reality is gossip doesn't stay in secret. And how would I feel if this actually came out? That I, how would I feel if somebody else heard what I was actually talking about? Right. And in the Bible, it says so often, like so many verses actually say the whisperer and it's like okay if you're whispering if you're really trying to whisper it like that's a brain check right there like what what would happen if this was actually on a loudspeaker would i actually say it yeah that definitely would change what comes out of my mouth if i had that in my mind for sure probably not yeah right the challenge that i would give myself and to our listeners is to spend your time with your friends being more authentic about what's going on in your own life. To talk about your own sin struggles, my own sin struggles, my own marriage issues, my own parenting issues, my own decisions and choices that I've made that may or may not have been good, my weaknesses, my temptations, my vulnerabilities. Because at the cross, I actually don't have to care about what you think about me. I can have the courage to be seen by you. I can be vulnerable before you um, because my identity, my worth is found in Christ. So the conversations that we can have can be about me and about you and what we're actually going through. I think that the challenge here is to gossip more about yourself. (laughs) There you go. That's our motto. Gossip about yourself instead of others. I'm going to get that as like a hanging on my living room wall. Gossip about yourself. So we're wanting to end each episode with letting you guys get to know us a little bit better. 
So today I'm going to pose a question to Ellen, which is, what are you reading? Do you recommend it? Why or why not? Um, so I think everyone, I think we shared this before that I'm a teacher. So a lot of my reading this summer has been textbooks and really boring stuff that I wouldn't recommend for anyone else to read, but it's been really helpful for me as I prepare for this school year. It's been nice to just like have a little bit of free time to work through those books kind of slowly instead of like, oh, I have to teach this tomorrow. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the boring side of what I've been reading. But um, personally, I've been reading a book called Future Men, which um, is just helpful as I'm thinking through um, raising our six and five-year-old boys to just fulfill um, who the Bible calls them to be as men. So to be defenders, to be good leaders, um, and things like that. So I've started this book probably three different times, and I almost have to like take it in segments of like, okay, I read a chapter. Like, I need a couple days to like think through how this plays out in our in our parenting and things like that. So I keep like forgetting where I am and starting over, but I am really really enjoying it. It's just a lot to like take and apply to life. Um, so I just restarted it recently. So yeah, overall I would recommend it, but I haven't finished it yet, so I don't want to like give this. <laughs> Definite, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see where the book goes. But so far, I am really enjoying it, and I would recommend reading it. Cool. Yeah, I read it. I, I definitely would recommend it. It's really helpful. Um, the book that I'm reading right now is along similar lines, but just from a different perspective. It's called Reviving Ophelia. Um, it's about raising girls and how our culture is impacting our young women and what we can do to protect them and to protect their innocence and keep them young, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, it's not from a Christian perspective. It's from a psychology perspective. But I've, I've really been enjoying it. That sounds, sounds really interesting. I'm actually not reading anything right now, but that sounds like a good book to pick up. But it's probably a great spot for us to end. So thanks so much for listening. Um, write us a review if you like what you hear, and we'll see you in a month. Bye. 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 This podcast is from Commuter Ministries. For more information about Commuter Ministries, visit us at www.commuterministries.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Commuter Ministries.